you have a Bible with you today, find the book of Mark. Um, thanks, Corey. We're going to be in chapter number 14 and 15. And thank you so much for coming today. Uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal that you are here. And it's Good Friday. And for the few moments that I have just to share, what I want us to do is we are going to look to the Bible and in a way um, go through some of the biblical account of that night. And some of this is going to sound similar to a little bit to what you heard, but that's on purpose and that's kind of the point uh, of what today is. And so Mark chapter 9, um, or Mark tells us it's 9 a.m. when Jesus is crucified, 9 o'clock in the morning. That means that the trial, the mocking, the beatings, all of that happened in the night. Uh, this would be Thursday night. Jesus hung on the cross for around six hours, is what we have, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, and as I, as I spent the day today and much of the week really just reflecting and remembering and looking at this over and over again, um, I don't want us to take this moment for granted. And I know that Good Friday is, is significant in that we remember and we reflect and we take communion and all of those types of things. And of course, we should never forget what Jesus did. But I want to ask you, I guess, and I kind of am interrupting my notes. I want to ask you to, for the next few minutes, really lean in to, to Jesus and what he has and what he has done. And then we will together take communion, and I believe, that, uh, I believe that we just have an opportunity here to experience him in a very real and a very powerful, powerful way. And so let's go through some of that night. Uh, the story begins really the night before, and Jesus and his disciples gather together for a meal. This meal is called Passover. It is a Jewish holiday. It is a significant event on the Jewish calendar. And Jesus and his disciples gather together and they celebrate and remember. And what they are remembering is a thousand years before where a lamb was sacrificed to save the people. And this is how it all begins with a lamb being remembered. Jesus at that night, called the Last Supper, at that meal, takes bread and takes a, a glass of wine and makes this about something different. And he breaks that and he says, this is my body, and he drinks that and he says, this is my blood. And it's this beautiful moment. At that same, at that same meal, Jesus tells his disciples that they're all going to desert him. And Peter speaks up and says this in a paraphrased word, way, all of these bozos here may desert you, Jesus, but I never will. Jesus then turns right to Peter and says, you're going to betray me three times, and we know that story. Peter responds by saying, even if I have to die, I will never disown you, Jesus. Uh, and the story says that all the disciples said the same. At this point, Judas has already left. Judas has made a deal with the religious leaders. Uh, Judas was a friend of Jesus, and... Uh, 
he has decided to turn his back on him. That comes up in the story. Right from this meal, Jesus and his disciples take a walk, and they walk to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane, just to the east side of Jerusalem. And at this garden, Jesus tells his disciples to wait. And he takes a couple of them with him, and he goes and he prays. And I want you to imagine with me that moment as Jesus is on his knees uh, in prayer to God, a heavy moment. In fact, you just heard the book of Luke talks about how Jesus begins sweating drops of blood. This is an extreme level of, of stress, an extreme level like he is physically feeling stress come out of him. And Jesus prays these words. He prays, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus prays multiple times in this moment, and there's frustration that happens in him with the disciples as they seem to just continue to fall asleep. But then Judas shows up, and he shows up with a crowd of people, armed men. They have swords and they have clubs, and they show up to arrest Jesus. They had been sent by the religious leaders. Judas and Jesus would have been close. Do you understand this? Judas and Jesus were friends. Judas had followed Jesus for a significant amount of time. Judas had seen him do miracles, had heard him. Judas had spent significant time and had significant conversations with, with Jesus. This was not someone just accusing Jesus. This was a betrayal. And Judas greets Jesus with a kiss, and he even says the word rabbi to him, which is this cultural word for them that's filled with all sorts of meaning. It's almost another way of slapping Jesus in the face. At this point in the story, Peter is there, and Peter grabs a sword and yanks it out and cuts somebody's ear off. Jesus turns to him and says, chill out, Peter. That's not how we're going to do this. And uh, and he reaches out and he heals this man's ear right there in the middle. And then Jesus says this in Mark chapter 14, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts and you did not arrest me, but the scripture must be fulfilled. And then everyone deserted him and fled. Everybody deserted Jesus. They all ran away. Uh, those that had just two hours before had said, I will never leave you, Jesus. They were all now gone. Jesus is now led away, led away by soldiers with, with swords and clubs. Understand that along with the horrendous physical stuff that Jesus is going to face, there is an emotional piece to this as his closest followers and closest friends have now left him all all alone, the people that he loved. Jesus is then brought to a man named Caiaphas. Caiaphas is the high priest. The high priest is, uh, at that time, was in charge of the entire Jewish population, all of Israel. Uh, of course, the Jews were under Roman rule, and so he was limited in his power. And a sort of trial begins. This is the middle of the night, uh, and I say a sort of trial because this was not legal. This is not how this is supposed to work. There were laws about this. You cannot do this. Not in the middle of the night, not in this way. Uh, this, this isn't how this, this is a setup. 
false witnesses begin to show up, but Mark points out that their testimonies never did agree. Finally, though, the high priest turns to Jesus and says, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Uh, Jesus responds with, I am, and the entire place begins to freak out. And the scripture says they all condemned him as worthy of death. Now, at this point in the story, we get this side story of Peter. And Peter, uh, according to some of the gospels, had had kind of trailed the whole situation from afar, and he sneaks into the place where all this is happening. And the story says that Peter is warming himself by a fire across this courtyard from where Jesus is when a a servant girl says, hey, aren't you with him? At this point, Peter is afraid and he denies it. He says, that's not me. It happens two more times. Each time Peter says, I never knew the man. And in that moment, we have Peter remembering the words of Jesus where Jesus said this would happen. And the story says that Peter broke down and wept. He broke down and wept. The religious leaders who have condemned Jesus to death next bring Jesus to the Roman official. His name is Pilate, and they begin to accuse Jesus of all sorts of different things to Pilate, the Roman leader. And all throughout, there's, there, are, there are side stories happening in this all throughout. In fact, Pilate's wife, the Roman leader here in this area, his wife, the night before or hours before, had just had a dream of this exact situation playing out, and she sends a message to her husband saying, please, I beg you, do nothing to that just man is what she says. But Pilate is in a difficult situation. Things were tense. He's afraid of Rome. He's afraid of riots. He's afraid of all of this. And though he comes to the conclusion that Jesus is 100% completely innocent, he orders that Jesus be flogged, is the word that's in there. Flogged. Now, uh, nowhere in the Bible does it describe what this flogging actually looked like for Jesus, but history paints a horrendous picture. And I'm not going to go into massive amounts of details on this because we have children in the room, Uh, but this part of the Bible is written in Greek. The Greek word that's used here that we have translated as flogging is fragello, fragello. In English, it's flogging, or sometimes it's translated as the word scourge. We don't have a good word for this, though, in English. Why? Because people do not do this here. We don't have this word. This is a Greek word that describes a very specific form of Roman torture, is what this word is. And it's just defined like this, to beat severely with a multi-strand whip whose strands have bits of metal or bone knotted into them. This is the highest level of Roman beatings which preceded execution. This was a common occurrence for the Roman Empire, which is why people pieced together what happened to Jesus and what this would have looked like. Then we have things like a crown of thorn placed on his head, soldiers mocking Jesus, spitting on him, and all of that leads to Jesus then being led away to be crucified. Lengthy journey, from where Jesus was to where he was going to be crucified. They forced them to walk that. He had just been beaten in the way, okay, he's already, and then what do they do? They force him to carry his cross. Interesting things I read about the cross, the Roman cross. First of all, this would have not been a brand new cross. They would not have done that for every criminal. This is a used cross. 
a cross that is filled with the blood of other people, a cross that has splinters and nasty things poking out of it every which way. They throw that on the back of a man who has already been horrendously beaten and forced him to, Jesus doesn't make it far. And the Bible tells us that they pull someone from the crowd, a man named Simon. And uh, in fact, we get this detail, I'll read it. A certain man from Serene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on their way in from the country and they force him to carry the cross. Okay, uh, verse 22, they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Golgotha was a hill that was just outside of the city of Jerusalem where the crucifixions were held. The word Golgotha is the Aramaic word for the word skull. Uh, we often use the word Calvary. Maybe you have heard that. Golgotha and Calvary are the same. Calvary comes from a, the Latin word for the word skull, we just, that translated into English better than Golgotha is how this works, okay? But that's why we say Calvary. Verse 23, then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him, which is a, it is crazy that we have the crucifixion of Jesus, the actual crucifixion is described for us in nothing but four words, four words here, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see each, okay, this is just uh, what they were doing. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him, and the written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They would make these little signs, and they would nail them into the, the top or the bottom of the cross. It was, it was the charge against the person who was being crucified. What is the charge that they come up with for Jesus? The Romans wrote Jesus' crime as the king of the Jews. The Bible tells us two criminals were crucified with Jesus, one of which acknowledges Jesus, and there's a moment that happens between Jesus and this man uh, to which Jesus replies to him, I will see you today in paradise. Verse 33, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. This is a supernatural thing that happened the entire, like it turned to night at noon, and for three hours it was dark in the story. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Elo, Elo, Lemo, Lema Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus here is quoting Psalm 22, a psalm written hundreds of years before, expressing the deep agony of, of the Messiah's death for the world's sins. And verse 37, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. After a night filled with arrested, abandoned, betrayed, false accusations, physical trauma, in mass, like carrying his cross, being nailed to a cross, hanging there for six hours, Jesus, Jesus died. Jesus died. And he, and he did that, he did that for you. Jesus only hung on the cross for six hours. The average person, it took them 18 to 48 hours to die which paints the picture of what he experienced before he ever got there, with the trauma and everything that happened. This was the plan, this was the purpose of God that his only son would come to earth to be born in the humblest of ways imaginable and who would die for the sins of the world. Let me show you a couple of scripture verses that are some of the most well-known in all the Bible. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved the world, as we paint a picture of this tonight, this is what it means for God to give his only son. So loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave. Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. This is not just an event in history, even though historically this event is extremely accurate and shows up in different places even outside of the Bible. But this is so much more than that. This is a God who sent his son to die for the sins of the world. 1 Peter 3.18, don't miss this. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Music team, will you please come? Jesus did that for you. He did that for you so that you could be free, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be reconciled and right with God. And listen, for those of us who don't know and maybe don't understand this, there is nothing that you can do on your own to save you. Your, your sins, and we all, we all have sinned. The Bible says there is no one righteous, not even one. We are all sinners, and we are all in need of a Savior. And there's nothing, you cannot earn your way into forgiveness. You cannot earn your way into heaven. It does not, it does not work like that. But Jesus and what he did and what he endured, like, like God looks down at us, God looks down at us and what does he see? He sees sinful people, except for Jesus. And Jesus shows up into the picture and now when God looks down and he sees what Jesus has done, he sees righteousness in you and me for those who have put their faith in him. He sees, he sees perfection even though we are a mess. Even though we are sinful people, he sees that because of what Jesus, as the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. This evening, we're going, to, we're going to end our time together by taking communion. And this service, this service here is about nothing more than remembering and reflecting on that night and what Jesus did on the cross. And communion is, is a piece to this. It's commanded by Jesus. He even says, do this in remembrance of me. And in a moment, we're going to take time to hold these symbolic elements of the body and the blood of Jesus in our hands. And together, just remember and reflect on what he did. Will you please stand with me all over this place? Before we take communion together, we're going, to, we're going to sing this song together again. Jesus paid it all. A very simple and pointed phrase, but such a perfect phrase for what this is today. Jesus paid it all. God, we, we, we just pray in this moment that, that our hearts would be in tune with you that our minds would be focused 
on you, Jesus, and what you did. We need you, God, more than ever in your name, we pray. But Jesus, like it's at that last supper, he's with his closest followers, his disciples. He knows what's coming. He's hours away from going through all of that and he takes bread and he he breaks it, he holds it up and he begins to pray and give thanks for this and he says, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus, we, we just pause for a moment to think about your body that was broken for us the horrendous things that happened to your physical body, Jesus. We remember that. We don't take that lightly. And we thank you for the price that you paid on that cross. In your name we pray. Let's take that part together. And go ahead and flip that over and open up the other side if you haven't. And Jesus then takes, like he takes this cup and he... He says to his disciples, he says, this is my blood that is poured out, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And, and Jesus, we, we think about your very blood that was poured out, poured out of your body. We thank you for forgiveness and grace an incredible mercy and the love that you showed, Jesus, on that cross when your blood was spilt. We don't take this lightly today, Jesus. We remember the price that you paid on that cross. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's take that together. Before we finish tonight, um, I just want us to take just a moment and just pray together. We do have Easter services in a couple days because I don't know if you didn't, if you if you knew this or not, but Jesus didn't stay dead. I just kind of gave it away. I gave it away there, um, but uh, we're excited about that. And so we have three services on Easter Sunday: 9:45, and eleven. Otherwise, ten o'clock in our at our Long Prairie location as well. But let's just. Let's just pray together one more time uh, before we're done. Jesus, we, we look to you and we pray, God, that even as we walk out these doors today, that we would just be more aware of you, Jesus, and the price that you paid than we ever have been before. I pray, God, for maybe those here tonight who have never truly put their trust in you. Let this be a moment where where this becomes more than just going to church services and being baptized or confirmed, but God, let this heart moment overflow as they receive the grace and the goodness that you have and that you offer so freely. And so Jesus, we again are grateful and we celebrate and remember what you did. And it's in the powerful, life-changing name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said... Amen, amen. All right, thank you so much for coming today. We'll see you in a couple days. You are dismissed.